Good morning. Welcome to Morning Matters at 10. My name is Paul Myrant. I'll be your host today. Morning Matters at 10 is part of the ministry of the Acts 17 Accord. The Acts 17 Accord is a ministry that is committed to preparing God's people to live righteous, spirit-filled lives to the end of the age as we discuss biblical worldviews and cultural issues that affect the Christian community. Well, I'm glad that you joined us today. We're going to talk today about the greatest lie ever told. We'll get to that a little bit later. Let me give you just a little bit of review of what happened last week. Last week, we spoke about the rational basis for the existence of a creator. I've had uh, numerous, in fact, I spent a lot of time this week having conversation with atheists online who argue with different points or mock different points and things that I said, but it was good. We had good conversations. I want to give you just a very, very, very brief overview. I said last week there are five evidences, and I'm not saying scientific proofs, although they could be given that way, but they're not scientific. This is just philosophical, looking at the world, looking at the universe. They're practical and philosophical in nature. I believe that, and so I'm just going to summarize this. This is actually, these are all taken from my book. <laughs> By the way, if you're ever interested, you can find them online. You can get them online through me, but you can also find some of these at, on uh, um, Amazon from time to time. Anyway, it's called The Challenge of Evolution. Is there a creator? What is he like? And how did he make the universe? So these are my summaries from the book. Number one, belief in the creator is a self-evident truth understood, understood through reason. It is not blind faith or religious indo indoctrination. Belief in a creator is a philosophical question for which science has no answer. Further, furthermore, investigation into the existence of a creator must begin with an open mind and proper suppositions, not the bias of naturalism. Nothingness cannot produce something. Therefore, someone or something has always existed. Other than that which has always existed, everything else must have a cause. Since structure, design, matter, and complex life forms exist, they must have been caused. They cannot be their own cause. The universe is not uncaused. Life is not uncaused. You can argue with that, but I'm just saying it's a fact. The universe and life forms are far too complex to be caused by random chance. Natural selection and the Big Bang are processes, not causes. Therefore, by themselves, they could not create the universe or simple universe are simple or complex life forms. They too would be dependent on the eternal someone or some power as their source. Gravity, the laws of motion, um, <clears throat> electromagnetism, the strong and weak forces, somebody had to put those in place. If you believe in the Big Bang, which I don't, but they still had to be in place. Somebody had to create those entities. They're real things. Human beings are of infinite value. If matter or natural... If matter or natural selection were the creator, then nothing would matter at all. Human beings and all life forms would be animated dust without a purpose. Death would return us to dust for all eternity. Human decisions have eternal consequences. Human decisions have eternal consequences. If matter or natural selection were the creator, then there is no basis for, for morality, and therefore every action is equally valid. Murder and rape would be as valuable as love and protection. What we do would be utterly insignificant and without meaning. Again, the creator and matter itself gives us our meaning. Intrinsically, we understand that everything is, of equal is not of equal importance. The garden of roses put on display is more valuable than our dirt or clay. The puppy that soils the grass while it grows and more than all the roses we show. 
The toddler who pulls at the puppy's tails, tail brings joy and love that will not fail. Given the choice to save the life of the baby, the puppy, or the roses, we would always choose to save the child, at least any normal human being would. Okay, so we're going to... Let me bring up this other page here. Here we go. Right here. So today I want to really talk about... I mean, where we're at. I mean, I had these conversations all week with, with these guys, and they're arguing and trying to show how smart they are. Well, no, that can't be. And they go through these. Somebody took my arguments and put them into a formal philosophical thing for me. And that's nice. I appreciate them doing that. But I'm not trying to do that. I'm saying this is simplistic. This is simple. The existence of God is a simple, clear answer to things. And every scientist, almost every scientist in history believe these things. Certainly in the first you know, three or four hundred years, two two hundred years of science, they all believed it. And even most of them believed that afterwards, that God existed. Many of them believed that the Bible was the word of God and believed and actually argued for a young earth. You argued against long ages of time. There were books written at the time of Lyell arguing against his idea of geology. So people have been fighting this, and this battle has actually been going on for centuries. But the advent of, of science was was a pretty significant change in history, and the world's changed dramatically because of what science has done. I mean, what changed between Isaac Newton and Carl Sagan? <laughs> Isaac Newton said the most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord over all. And on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord, Universe, Lord God, universal ruler. A heavenly master governs the, governs the entire world as sovereign of the universe. We are astonished at him by reason of his perfection. We honor him and fall before him because of his unlimited power. From blind physical necessity, which is always and everywhere the same, no variety adhering to time and peace could evolve. Time to time and place could evolve, and all variety of created objects which represent order and life in the universe could happen only by the willful reasoning of its original creator, whom I, whom I call Lord God. Uh, um, you know, Carl Sagan, the atheist who died a few years ago, said, from what we know, the laws of physics, there is nothing for a creator to do. There can't be a creator, is in essence what he said. So how do we get from Isaac Newton who invented, you know, understood gravity, loss of motion, invented so many things, affected everything in the world by his beliefs, to Carl Sagan. You know, I don't know if it, what his accomplishments might be, but he had a movie <laughs> called Contact. That's about the only thing I know about him, what he did. Now, um, hard, all, almost all early scientists were hardcore believers in God and the Bible. A young earth creationists were the norm, not the exception. Almost every early scientist's discovery was given to the world by Christian or Jewish scientists. I mean, from Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci, who's considered the father of science, John Johann Kepler, famously said science with thinking God, God's thoughts after him, Francis Bacon, responsible for the formation of the scientific method, Blaise Pascal, the father of hydrostatics, Robert Boyle, father of, of modern chemistry, Galileo, Copernicus, you know, all of these guys. I mean, every one of them. And, and, and initially, they were all extremely strong Christians. And that continued... 
Um, it began to dwindle, we'll show this a little bit later, after the Copernicus and, and uh, Galileo debacle with the Catholic Church, but they still remain true. And there's understand there are many, many true Christians today, strong scientists, strong scientists who believe in a young earth and who believe that God is the creator of the universe. So we've had this entire change of thought process that has taken place really, um, I think it's taken place probably mostly since the early 1900s, uh, began before that, certainly. Uh, the effects of Lyle, Hutton, and Darwin, you know, those things took a little while, but they have had an effect now that has been very significant. So, so what happened? Well, I, there are two events, two significant events, two, I'll slow down. Two significant events took place, Galileo and Charles Lyell. These were the two events, and not them, but they were the guys that were the center of it. And I'm going to read some of this to you, because if I don't read it, I, don't, I tend to get off track. The idea, by the way, the idea of evolutions and old theories, old earth theories, have been around for a long time before Darwin and Lyell. Uh, Darwin wrote, father wrote a book that Charles used in developing his theory of evolution. He had already written a book on it, and then others had talked about it and formulated it. It wasn't something that, you know, uh, you know was, was new. It's been going on a long time. But how do we get, have you noticed, think about this, have you noticed how easy it is for scientists to make dogmatic statements about the earth being 4.5 billion or the universe 13.79 billion years old? They just say, this is a fact, this is what it is. It's not a fact, it's their opinion, but it's not a fact. Or that the Grand Canyon was carved out by the Colorado River over millions of years. We've been told that for decades. We know today, it's just not the case. It didn't happen. There are massive floods that took place all over the world. And scientists will acknowledge that. They won't say there wasn't a global flood, but there, this canyon over here was formed by flood, and this one over here. And they'll say those things, but they won't admit that there could be a global flood. But this, you know, this is the, I, this is the philosophy that I grew up around that was being taught. If a new fossil is found, they just tell you how old it is, as if it had a date written on it, stamped it. 4.5 million years old. For almost two centuries, long ages of geological time have been pushed and drilled into the minds of an unsuspecting world. This has been going on for a while. And I can tell you to everyone that's listening today, because even if you're a believer, you're going to go, oh, well, this guy's, he's talking about stuff that doesn't really matter. Or if you're an atheist, you're just going to be, you know, or if you're just a scientist, you're going to, oh, this guy, what, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, let me tell you, I'm not an idiot, and I do know what I'm talking about. I spent 40 years of my life studying this stuff. I've read everything that you've read and more, and you don't know necessarily what you're saying. So I'm going to just demonstrate to you what's happened. This, is, this has been drilled into the minds of an unsuspecting world. People believe this. They're told it. My grandsons are told. They walk into fourth grade. Oh, yeah, the earth is a billion years old. And the flood took, then it took all this time for the Colorado River to carve out the Grand Canyon. I mean, these people aren't even keeping up with the science to say that. They know that it was a, that something else happened. It wasn't that way. There's lots of evidence and theories, but you don't hear it. You only get what the media says, and then everybody takes this little sound bite, and they go, well, I believe that, and they hold on to that belief without reevaluating. And I'm going to say this to everyone. If you're especially an old earth Christian, I'm going to challenge you to reevaluate your position, because I can tell you, I think you're wrong, and I think it's significantly wrong, and I think it matters what you believe, and I and I think there's significant evidence that the earth is actually young. All right. Um, 
Over this time, the historic Christian worldview has been radically impacted by this scientific dogma. These beliefs directly contradict the clearest understanding of the Genesis record of creation, along with numerous supportive passages in the Bible. Numerous supportive passages in the Bible. There's lots of passages, not just Genesis 1. If these claims are false, in other words, if they're claiming that the earth is billions of years old and it's not, this, these, they should be considered an assault on the authority of inspiration of the scripture and inspiration of the scripture. If they're true, well, that creates a different problem for the Christian community, which we've seen many people come up with theories about how old the earth is. But if it's if it's not true, it is a direct assault on the faith. And we'll see later that that was the intention of Lyle. <clears throat> From the beginning of time, God's word has been questioned and undermined by spiritual forces. I'm talking about the scriptures. They are our source of faith. They are our source of knowledge of the Christian worldview and, the Christi- and Christianity. Yes, you can have a personal relationship with God, but that personal relationship must be based on what the Bible clearly teaches about God and who he is and what he's done and what he plans to do in the future. In the garden, Satan famously said, hath God said, you're right, he questioned, did God really say, he didn't really mean that, no, 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 question God's word, and that's been going on ever since, since the coming of James Hutton, and I know that some of you, you don't know who some of these people are, I get that, I'll explain to you who they are, but these are famous people in history that have had a direct effect on the Christian faith. Since the coming of James Hutton, Charles Lyell, Charles Darwin, and Julius Wellhausen in a space of about 40 years, there has been a continual barrage of attacks on, attack, of attacks on the accuracy and authority of the scriptures. Now, what's happened is these guys laid the foundation since then. Um, Critical, you know, theories against the Bible, you know, have been just plethora of them, one after another, just in every all the schools. That's that's what they do. You know, they've had these, uh, um, you know, these arguments and undermining the scripture that's been going on now for the last two centuries, at least. Um, Oh, I said, okay. The proposal of an old earth as an alternative explanation for creation did not begin with these men. I've said that before. I just want you to know this is not just blaming these four guys, but these men appeared at a significant time in history. I mean, this is significant. This changed everything. This is foundational and successfully introduced an old earth and evolutionary worldviews to humanity. And it's all over the globe. It's affected every culture at some level. This worldview has encompassed science. Science is completely bound to an old earth and evolutionary thought process. Education, our institutions, colleges, universities, and unfortunately, many Christians for the past two centuries. This is literally grips the whole world. So when I'm saying something, I'm talking as a minority here. I get that. The seeds of the documentary hypothesis, which basically said Moses didn't write the Torah. It was written, you know, because there was no writing at the time of Moses, which they now know is a lie. There was a writing probably at Moses. In fact, the Bible says Moses wrote things down. Moses wrote, Abraham wrote that, you know, these guys, they were writing for, for centuries, you know, um, long before. From the beginning of time, I believe they were writing. There was no, again, this is a whole evolutionary worldview. This is all, oh, there were a bunch of stupid idiots back there. And then eventually there were cavemen, you know, and all this stuff. And then they grew. And then we are today. We are the epitome. <laughs> it's like, it's just the opposite. Adam and Eve were amazing. And every, every 
patriarch, every father in history, every, they were intelligent. They did all kinds of things that we have no idea how smart they were. But we put ourselves in this pedestal as that we know. Anyway, this question, the first five books of the Bible and higher criticism, which questions the authorship, dates, and literary structure of the whole Bible. So this has been going on for centuries. Julius Wellhausen popularized the anti-Mosaic authorship, authorship of the Torah. Let me read that again. Julius Wellhausen popularized the anti-Mosaic authorship of the Torah. Wellhausen was responsible. He was a Jewish. He was not a Jewish. He was a German uh, theologian and and uh, and writer. He was responsible for pre- presenting. Wellhausen was responsible for presenting the faith as an anti-supernatural religion with made-up stories, right? It's all made up. It's not true. You can't buy into it. But that was his approach. He believed that. Then he went to the Bible and started criticizing the Bible. Again, your assumptions make a difference. He had bad assumptions, and he couldn't come to the truth with those assumptions. James Hutton opened the door for Lyon. James Hutton's called the father of geology. He said, oh, the earth has always been here. Never, no beginning, no end. Lyell was a, a, a geologist and lawyer who opened the door for Darwin, and then Darwin opened the door for Wellhausen. So those guys were like a domino effect that took place. Together, these men successfully undermined the Genesis record of creation, which led to many European Christians losing their faith and the disastrous effect it has had on cult, popular culture forward. So even believers at that time, once this started coming out, they began to question even more the Bible that had already happened before that. And perhaps it is understandable for atheists and anti-Christian secular science to proclaim these ideas as hard facts. Unfortunately, they are not alone. The mantra of an old earth has been accepted and proclaimed by Christian men and women in the fields of science just as vehemently, even worse. They often mock young earth believers more than secular scientists. There has been a gradual decay in the Christian faith for two centuries. The body of Christ is clearly divided and weakened by the doctrine of an old earth and evolution. It's not just that, but that's the foundational doctrines that came in that everything else was built upon. From our universities universities and progressive churches, millions have walked away from the faith. Even strong, otherwise evangelical believers are compromised by the long ages of time. I'm telling you, it's affected everything. It, 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 it's, like a, it's like a little, you know, what Jesus said, a little yeast leavens the whole lump, or I don't know how I mean you say that verse, but you know, it just, it's a little thing, and it's just kept eating away at the framework, at the foundation of truth for, for all of this time. As it was in the beginning of science, there are still strong biblical-based scientists who reject the lies of an old earth, though they are mocked and ridiculed by old earth believers continually. Princeton, Harvard, Oxford, you know, Penn State, all of these once strong Christian universities who taught the Bible, produced missionaries, are now the hotbed of anti-Christian and anti-Semitic worldviews. My computer keeps going out on me here. Um, just this last week, there was this. There were these uh, hearings with the presidents of these schools who refused, who refused to condemn the speech of hatred speech toward Israel. And, you know, it's just, it's insane. And you have the world today promoting murdering, <laughs> the murdering Hamas. Now, that's not necessarily the whole Palestinian people. And that's a whole nother thing. I will teach on that soon. But I'm telling you, the world has gone nuts. And it happened when you start getting rid of the Bible. I'm going to say something now that's going to be really 
<laughs> struggle for some, but the concept of deep time is a spiritual deception. All right? <laughs> the Apostle Paul said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I can hear my critics complaining now about bringing demons or spiritual things into this intellectual, scientific conversation. What kind of a fool are you? You will embarrass us even more and reinforce the anti-Christian, anti-biblical worldview of the secular world. They don't think we're smart anyway. They think we're idiots. How dare you blame demons are the evil one? <laughs> Is this not precisely the problem? I mean, do you understand Christianity as a believer? Do you understand that we are in a spiritual battle? That we're at war with demonic forces? And demonic forces control how? They control through speech. I mean, how did Hitler control Germany? Through his lies and his continual speech, things that he spoke over and over again. Hitler said, if you say it enough times, it becomes true. And that's what we have with this lie that has been told continually. This is not precisely the problem. We are desperately trying to defend the faith on a purely intellectual basis. And it's not about intellect. It's about your heart. It's about being submitted to God. It's about obeying the Word of God, believing the Word of God, having faith in the Scriptures. If you don't have faith in the Scriptures, then none of these men have faith in the Scriptures. And many Christians today have a low view of the Scriptures. They ignore Genesis as if it doesn't matter. And they have all of these rationales to do it. And I'm saying you have to have a strong, high view of the scriptures to survive and remain spiritually alive. So what I told you the first session we did two weeks ago was about it's about keeping your faith. And it begins with the Bible. <clears throat> we need to be boldly proclaiming the gospel and biblical truths. I'm telling you as a fact, God exists. I'm telling you as a fact, the word of God is true in every word of it. And I believe God made the earth in a short period of time. We don't know if it's exactly 6,000 or 10,000 years, but it's not older than 10, not according to the scriptures. And I'm saying these things are truth. So if they're truth and what the enemy is saying, what science is saying is wrong, I'm telling you, science has got it wrong. Not in every case, but in these cases, science is wrong. The word of God stands true, and I will stand with it till I die. This spiritual battle is a battle for the hearts and minds of generations of young and old who have been brought under the spell of false scientific, scientific philosophies and beliefs. So let me talk to you. What is spiritual warfare? Because this seems like, oh, this is really woo-woo. Well, it's really not. We know that there's a creator who's a, who's a spirit. We know that he created angels. We know that he created other spiritual beings. Spiritual, there's a battle all around us. We live in a physical matter. This is why we know God is not... See, people don't understand God. He's not a man. He's not physical. Physical. God is spirit, right? Now, I don't understand that. I can't, I mean, I can imagine it in my mind, but I can't figure it all out. I, I'm not really supposed to. It's beyond our ability because we are so f set in the physical world. But there is a spiritual world out there. And there's belief systems and there's a battle, a spiritual battle between evil and good. It's been going on for centuries. It's been going on since the beginning, the very beginning, the first day of creation, the first week of creation, perhaps. Satan was there attacking. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul explains what spiritual warfare is. It is not magic or fighting demons. There's a big story in, in history of Peter and uh, Simeon, the, pro, the, the you know, he was a magician and they were throwing things at each other. I, I don't know anything about it much. I haven't read much about it, but there's a big thing about it as if it's true. <clears throat> but 
That's really not what spiritual warfare ultimately is. It, it may on occasion require deliverance, and I've cast demons out of many people. Primarily, spiritual warfare is fought in the realms of beliefs and thinking patterns. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think at we who think that we live by the standards of this world. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's telling them this. You know, some people think that, hey, you know, you know Paul was, was strong in his writing, but when he got around people, he was kind of a nice guy, and he wasn't quite so strong. <clears throat> so he's a better writer. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. I mean, we fight each other, with, we shoot at each other, we, you know, we put people down, we don't want to build other people up. I mean, there's this selfishness that's centered in the heart of humanity. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Sorry, my computer keeps... I got to change my... How quickly that goes to black. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we need as followers of Christ, we need to take every thought, every belief system and examine it in light of what Jesus has said. Warfare is about belief systems, belief that influence and hold people captive to demonic influence. David Brees authored a terrific book, Seven Men Who Ruled the World from the Day Dead, or excuse me, Who Ruled the World from the Grave. He names Freud, Darwin, Karl Marx, Julius Wellhausen, and others as examples of individuals who have influenced the thinking of generations. It does not mean everything they believe was demonic, but certain core beliefs have led people away from God and the truths of the scripture. Look, if what I'm saying to you is true, if God exists and he's the creator of the universe and he set the rules in place and everything that the Bible says is true, if these things are true, then all of the rest of this is a lie. And anything that doesn't measure up to that is false. Okay, it's false. It's not partially true. It's false. These are lies that people have believed. And people believe lies. They believe so many. There's usually a grain of truth in it and some truth in it. And sometimes you have to pick through and find out what's true and what's not. But it's still the fundamental belief systems are what we are really fighting. Um, you know, he talks about Freud and all these guys. And everybody has could make a list. You could make a list of 20 people that have still influenced the world. Um, but add James Hutton and Charles Lyle to the list. Authors of the greatest lie ever told. Now, lots of really good lies out there. Why I call it the greatest is because the impact that it's had is so deep and so foundation and so pervasive and so deceptive. Because it sounds really smart. It sounds scientific, you know, but it's just not true. The lie was intentional. Now, this is important. They intentionally were trying to deceive people. The, the lie was intentional meant to deceive and undermine the biblical account of creation. That was their goal. Fundamentally, that was their goal. From their perspective, their efforts have been remarkably successful. But from the perspective of historical Christianity, the, Christianity, the damage and long-term effects are incalculable. Millions of people have lost their, lost their faith because of the teachings of evolution and the age of the earth. Young people have been or, and are still abandoning the faith in droves from junior high onwards. A 4.5 billion year old earth belief is a significant cause. 
Believers with a science background seem committed to defending the latest scientific conclusions with little understanding of the biblical text. Many church leaders have abandoned teaching the creation account because their congregations are divided over the different worldviews. We don't even want to talk about it. We're going to talk about that. I'll lose half my congregation. Some just do not want to lose people. Others do not know what they believe themselves. They have no idea. And they're more comfortable with the conventional view because that's what everybody else is believing around them. As a result, many are quite content to avoid the topic. The most significant problem is what happened to biblical interpretation. (laughs) After all of that, it's what it's done to how we see the Bible and understand it. The lengths Bible interpreters have gone to harmonize Genesis with beliefs about the age of the earth seem to know no bounds. To try to resolve the conflict of age, scholars have developed numerous theories. The gap theory. Well, there's this huge period of time between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 2. So we don't know how old the earth is. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think that's... I think you can't do that textually. I don't think you can do it contextually. You have to read all of that in there. Uh, I think that's a bad way to go. Um, where was I? Theistic evolution. Well, God started the whole process, but it all evolved. Uh, the day-age theory, you know, each day was a, was an epic of time, time enough to do all the things that needed to be done. Progressive creationism. Uh, basically, you know, God might, I mean, I think Q Ross is a progressive creationist. He believes that there was special revelation for Adam and Eve, but not for anything else. It was all, it all evolved. <laughs> Give me a break. And others, and others, some have just decided the Genesis record is wrong and still mean it. Want to maintain a belief in the Bible is still the word of God and can be trusted. I have a good friend who just says Moses was wrong. He didn't understand things that were going on in the world. He didn't understand the condensation system. No, you don't understand that God changed that. He changed it with the flood. Everything changed. So you're reading from a wrong perspective. Most, if not all, these interpretations of Genesis and the creation account are the result of the effects of the long geological ages proposed by Hutton and Lyell. Leaders in the body of Christ have bought into these lies, human inventions, because as Dr. Lane said, a young earth is an embarrassment for the Christian faith. However, the problems for believers do not begin with Hutton or Lyell, but with Galileo, Sir Francis Drake, Copernicus, and the Catholic Church. So I said there were two events. The most recent event was Lyell and Hutton, but the original event that began to erode, it was slight. It wasn't big. And they made a slight mistake. And that mistake has led to serious consequences. And then it led to Lyell, which led to the whole loss of the Genesis account for most educational elites. <clears throat> the acquiescence of biblical scholars to the views of science is based on the fi- in part on the fiasco concerning geocentrism and heliocentrism. Is the earth or the sun the center of the universe? So at one point in history, Aristotle told us that this, the earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it. Um, this was a major thing in Aristotelian Aristol- science. Everybody believed that. It wasn't, you know, I mean, everyone, that was kind of what they all believed. I mean, nobody knew for sure. They didn't understand things that we do today. But geocentrism represented a momentous change for the religious and scientific community. Um, So when geocentrism came in, it was like, oh, my gosh, you got to be saying it took a while for people to get into it. While the Catholic Church did not handle the whole situation well, it was not entirely unreasonable for there to be many questions about this new theory. They were questioning it. They didn't know. 
From Strick's observation and a cursory examination of the biblical text, a reasonable belief is that the sun revolves around the earth. A simple reading of Psalm 19 appears to say that the sun revolves around the earth. In the, in the heavens, it says, in verse 19, or chapter 19, it says, In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth, Psalm 19, 4 through 6. So the idea is, is that they're saying, okay, the earth, the sun revolves around the earth. So people believe that. In 1543, 1543, Copernicus published on the revolutions of the heavenly spheres. He concluded that the earth was not the center of the universe as the church believed, rather that the sun was. Well, nobody, I don't know if they all believe that now, but personally I believe that our solar system is the center of the universe. And everything comes out from here. I believe that's clear from the scriptures. But nobody can prove any of that. It's, I mean, we can prove, I think, that the earth revolves around the sun. But the sun is moving as well. We, we know that. <clears throat> anyway, he concluded the earth was not the center of the universe, as the church believed rather the sun was. When Galileo supported this theory in part, he was charged with heresy and placed on house arrest. The event turned into a rather lengthy lengthy sordid affair galileo was never tortured as well was never tortured and was well treated by the catholic church but he was still put on house arrest <laughs> Uh, in his book on the revolutions of the heavenly spheres he concluded the earth was not the center of the universe as the church believed rather the sun was did i get those right yeah okay um the result of this conflict so it went on for a number of years and finally the church let him out and there was people calmed down a little bit about it it was quite you know, a mistake on the part of the church religious leaders. The result of this led Calif Galileo to conclude this. He says, the book, of writ the book of nature is written in clearly understood mathematics. Right? So he's saying you can see everything from a mathematical equation, which is probably true. I'm not a mathematician, but, you know, I, I have to trust at some level some of these guys are saying <laughs> that they're saying. But Galileo then cites Cardinal Baronius. This was a cardinal at the time, 1598, for this statement. The Bible was written to show us how to go to heaven, not how the heavens go. Right? So he's saying, which I think is a fundamental flaw. I mean, you know, the Bible is talked, it does more than just talk about how to get to heaven. There's a huge number of scientific things in the Bible. Even in Genesis 1, they're scientific things. We know everything produces after its kind. That's a fact. We know that the sun, the moon, and the stars are used for guiding, guiding lights. You know, there's many things in there that are used for sunlight for day. You know, all the things it says are actually could be considered scientific, certain something you can, something you can observe and deal with, right, or come to a conclusion about. All of this developed into a two-book belief system by many scientists at, that put the book of nature on par with the scriptures. Galileo viewed scientific description of the Bibles as not important for the common man could not understand them, though he believed it had scientific value. <clears throat> God's two books. <clears throat> so Thomas Brown, 1605 to 1682, wrote, There are two books from which I collect my divinity. I understand God. Besides the one written by God, another of his servant, Nature, the, that universal and public manuscript that has been widespread for everyone to see. It's wide open for everyone to see. Now, on the surface, this sounds reasonable. However, the issue is not that they equate nature. The issue, however, the issue is that they equate nature with scientific beliefs. So on the surface, it sounds, that sounds good. But nature is not equal to scientific beliefs. Nature is here. Scientific beliefs 
go up and down, right? They might meet with the scriptures, they might not. They believe, they change their beliefs, you know. Uh, everything changes in science. So it's not nature is God speaking, but what it means, it has to be understood. Natural revelation is limited in its scope of information, primarily demonstrating the existence and divinity of God, not answering specific scientific questions. So people have a view and opinion. They believe, you know, people believe that, you know, the, the Big Bang is the cause for the universe. Well, they believe that because they've rejected, first of all, natural. They only believe in naturalism. They don't believe that there's a supernatural involved in the creation. So they had to come up with an explanation that made some sense from a natural perspective. But the Bible clearly teaches God did not make the earth through the Big Bang. Now, there might be aspects of, you know, there was God explosions. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Who knows what that was like exactly? But that's not the point. You can't fit the Big Bang into the Genesis text. You have to just throw the text out. You have to say, oh, it's all poetic, poetical, and it didn't matter. Because you can't fit them all together. <clears throat> Primarily... Natural revelation is, is limited in its scope of information, of information, primarily demonstrating the existence and divinity of God, not answering specific questions. Science has changed its mind innumerable times. Place the opinion on scientists with the scriptures on par with the scriptures is a mistake. Again, science is not nature. Okay, nature is fixed. It's what it is. How we understand it is what a scientist does, tries to understand it. Regardless, from that time forward, many, if not most, believing scientists and religious leaders have accepted that everything that science says is gospel truth. Now, obviously, they haven't all done that because there's many people that have fought this. Like I said, there's books written against geology that Lyell and Hutton came up with. You know, they, they, they wrote and defended the scriptures. You know, many did. Even, I think, Newton did. Um, but, however, they were embarrassed by the Copernicus debacle, and they don't want to make the mistake again. I mean, I've had this conversation. I can, how many times I've been talked about the age of the earth, and I have a Christian believer put his hand on my shoulder like, oh, poor brother, don't you remember what happened to Galileo and Copernicus? I mean, they tell me that. It's like, no, don't you understand what happened with Galileo and Copernicus? What happened was that, that idea that science is equal with the scriptures came into play. Not naturalism, not, nat not nature, not natural revelation, science. That's false. Science is not on the par with the scriptures. If a scientist speaks something that is true scientifically, that he can prove scientifically that it's testable and repeatable, and you cannot test and repeat how the earth was made. I don't care how many of these things you build, you know, these colliders and all that. That doesn't prove anything. You can never prove how the universe was made. You can never prove for a fact how old it is. You can go on YouTube right now and you can find, you know, 30 or 40 videos or at least on each side proving saying this and saying that. You can't, nobody can prove it. It's a matter, it's a matter of un understanding the interpret or interpreting the data that's there. It's not proof. It's a matter of, it comes down to a matter of faith and opinion, honestly. <clears throat> I believe in an old earth, old earth because I, a young earth because I believe the Bible teaches it. It looks old to me. But I can't, that doesn't mean anything. I wasn't there. No one can examine the original universe. Part of the problem with dating things, you can't examine, you can't examine rocks in the middle of the earth or lava in the middle of the earth. How old is it? <laughs> it comes out, how does it work? We don't know. It's just speculation. We must not equate science and their opinions with natural revelation. They are not one and the same. Natural revelation is not the same as a scientific belief. 
I'm going to have to wrap up here in a minute, but let me just see if I can do this. I, I, I think what I'm going to do is this, because right now I'm just about to talk about the role of James Hutton and Charles, Charles Lyell. And I've talked about them at length already. I've mentioned them often, but they specifically influenced, and this is really important stuff. I hope that you'll come back next week and you'll listen to this because this is, this is all very significant. Now, again, I'm not saying that if you don't believe in a young earth as a Christian, you're not a Christian. I I don't believe that. But I do believe you're deceived. I honestly believe that. I believe it is a spiritual deception. I believe that the time and frame of this and the working of it. I was watching, um, I think, John Lennox the other day, and he was was asking, what really happened? He wondered what happened from... Newton to to Sagan and to, you know, Hawkins who you know all these guys who just rejected God and reject that any of this means or points to God. Now he didn't have an answer for that. I believe the answer is what I've given you today. I believe it began with um, Copernicus and Galileo. People began to trust science too much, and then after Lyell and these guys came out with the intention of deceiving the church, they were deceived and they bought into the lie. And now then everything just begins. It's not really, it's not a solid biblical base. Look, I understand that it takes, that it's hard to go against science, especially saying that the earth isn't old. What kind of fool am I, you know? (laughs) I understand what people think about that and how they just, they even mock me. But understand these men, and we'll show you next week that these men not only did these things, they did them intentionally. And they also, the scriptures will say, because I'll tell you this one thing, Charles Lyell prophesied. He said this, I am going to spread, I'm going to tell these people this lie, and they will believe it. But he doesn't realize that Peter prophesied almost 1,900 years ago that he would come, that he would be a mocker and a scoffer. And he prophesied four things that specifically relate to this entire philosophy that's behind the age of the earth in this lie. I hope that if you like this today, you will you know, subscribe, send me a letter, you know, write me a note. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be on our website. It's there now. You can watch it. Um, I'm asking you to it, it, respond to me. If you, if you like it, tell me. I'd like to know if you, if you really like this. Um, so we're, our, ax, our website is the Act 17 Accord. Let me put that on there now. You can subscribe. Please hit like, ring a bell. <laughs> go to Wax 17 Accord and subscribe there. You can go to Facebook. You can like us and follow us there. Um, wherever you hear this, if you like this, please share it with someone else and pray for us. Above all, I would appreciate your prayers. And of course, we always need support, but really I'm more concerned about your prayers than anything else. If you'd pray for this ministry that God would give us grace to do and say the things that we need to say. Now I'm going to end I'm going to play something for you right now. I've been doing this the last couple of times. These are videos music videos that I that I put together. They're my songs, songs that I wrote. My wife helped me sometimes. My son and all other people have helped me with them. But these are my songs. This one is um, uh, Morning Star, Bright and Morning Star. I hope that you enjoy it. I'll come back for a brief, really brief ending, and uh, I'll see you next week.
inside There are no words to express My love for you My love for you Beauty surrounds and enfolds you
you're the lover of my soul Bright and morning star Shine your light on me Bright and morning star Light that all may see You can get them. You can actually buy a copy of them one at a time at, a, at at Amazon, and you can listen to them on SoundCloud and other places. Uh, you know, we're on Podbean. We're also on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're just getting that set up. Anyway, listen. I hope you have a great day, and uh, the Lord, the Lord bless you. The Lord be with you, and we'll see you next Monday. Take care. Bye bye.